This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome to the May 10th edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. I'm co-host Brian Schrader, agronomist from Eastern Indiana, and as always, joined by my fellow co-host Ben Jacob from Southern Indiana and Carl Joran from Western Indiana. Good afternoon, guys. How are you today? Afternoon, Brian. Doing well, Brian. A lot of activity here in Northwest Indiana, so uh, back off to the races again. That's good. You're probably the only one. I certainly know that we're still a little wet on the eastern side of the state. Don't expect to see much activity uh, until probably the tail end of this week, Carl. So, Ben, how about yourself this morning? What do you think you're got, you've got for activity? Well, depending on where you're at, you're probably a day or two off. Um, and best case scenario, I think some of our heavier ground is probably going to end up where you said at the end of the week. But I think we'll see a pretty big uptake by, uptick by Wednesday afternoon uh, throughout most of the southern half of the state. All right. Well, guys, we've got a real opportunity this afternoon for our interview uh, we are privileged enough to have Mike Wynn, the CEO and co-founder of Drone Deploy with us. With everything getting planted so fast, uh, we're going to be utilizing Drone Deploy, Drone Deploy software extensively in the next few weeks. And we couldn't think of a better guest to have on to be able to walk us through uh, the nuts and bolts of Drone Deploy to get a history of Drone Deploy, talk about Drone Deploy and Corteva's uh, collaboration over the last several years together and uh, just really excited to have Mike on with us uh, this afternoon as uh, just a little bit recently Mike was uh, named to the San Francisco Business Journal uh, 40, list of 40 under 40 and given the fact of all of the innovation everything that comes out of Silicon Valley that's an incredibly impressive list to be a part of so uh, Mike first congratulations on that and secondly, thank you and welcome to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Yo, th thank you very much for having us, having me. Um, I'd say it, it was nice to be nominated for that 40 under 40. But I think a little fun fact is actually I've been living in central Indiana. Uh, really? For the last few years. So I've been living okay. in Westfield, Indiana. Wow. Uh, my son went to preschool between two cornfields. Uh, <laughs> I've been enjoying uh, watching, uh, watching the corn and soybeans grow over the last two years. Well, that's excellent. That is a, a fun aside that we did not have any idea about. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, uh, Mike, maybe if you don't mind, give us a little bit of your background and uh, then maybe just a little bit of a history of drone deploy uh, for our listeners to get an understanding of you and of, of your company. Sure, a bit of my background. So <laughs> accent is I'm South African, but I lived around the United States a bit. Uh, the company is based in San Francisco, um, but during COVID, I lived. My, I've got family that lives in Indiana, so I went to move to Indiana, and it was amazing to uh, experience a different part of the country. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the cold winters not as much, but the summers were amazing. Um, um, the company itself, we've been around for nine years, and interestingly, agriculture was the first industry that really um, that was a success for us as a company. So back when we started. Drone deploy in 2013 it was really the emergence of the technology. Drones were not yet reliable; they would fall out the sky. Um, creating uh, data sets from them was a lot harder um, 
but it actually turned out that agriculture was the best place to start because there are wide fields. People, there weren't very many people in them. So if there was a, a moment, a bad moment with the drone, it would be fine. Um, you just have a little bit of a lot of corn, corn if a drone went down. Um, and um, it was actually, we found that there was a huge value in having a bird's eye view of, of, of the farm. And so from about 2014, we really started to get success in agriculture. We were starting from California, so you can imagine there was a bit of specialty crops in there. But we, from 2015, we started to see that that rate was uh, the row crops, corn, soybeans, was the sweet spot of the value for drone, value of drones. That no person is really walking covering all 160 acres of a cornfield. The corn is six feet, seven feet tall, um, and um, it was um, the the value of being able to get a bird's eye view of your field in 15 minutes and being able to walk over to exactly the spots you had a problem in and to be able to measure them and to do a stand count was super high. And so we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years getting to know ag, getting to understand the different stages and how we as a software company that works with drones can uh, really enable growers and agronomists with data. Well, I certainly think that, you know, as I look at it as an agronomist today, I think the drone is probably as important as a sh- as a spade or a shovel oh, wow. for agronomists today. Uh, that bird's eye view that you talk about. When you were initially developing the software package, what were some of the first tools? I mean, obviously, the ability to control the drone, I know, was a key part of the success of drone deploy. But once you got that going, what was some of the first tools that you looked to develop uh, from the ag perspective? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We did start with flying the drone. So you got a drone, you got to get it flying. But we very quickly realized it's like, hey, you get a drone flying, it's taking some photos. But getting a bunch of photos in the folder on your laptop is not that useful. Really, you want to be able to get uh, that data structured. And can you create a map was the starting point. And people talked about, it's like, hey, can we get a map with the different vegetative indices? Um, but very quickly, we got the demand. It's like, look, um, getting a map, a bird's eye view of my field is really valuable. But I need it when I'm in the field. I can't get it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so just as we started, there was the demand for real-time data. That has actually been a huge push for us as a software company. How do we get that data on your phone in real time while you're flying. Um, so that was kind of the first killer use case. We call that live map. And uh, we like to say it's live, like people say real time a lot, but it's real time is an update to the every second. Um, and you can start walking out to the spot in your field where you see some variability. Um, the next killer feature was of course Standcast. And so we launched that last year. Yeah. So how did that collaboration with Corteva come around stand count? As agronomists, we use that every, you know, the last several seasons, but how did that collaboration with Corteva around stand count specifically uh, start and come to fruition? Um, no, it's actually, it's an amazing pairing because you can imagine we know a lot about software and drones, but yeah, we, we not growers ourselves. Um, I've been able to spend more time on cornfields, but that is not my day job. I'm not an expert there, but of course Corteva is. Any company that knows about um, the pro, uh, the growing cycle, they know every part of it. And we they happen to be a really big user of our product for LifeMap as a crop scouting tool. And um, they, they were developing some algorithms internally um, for their own use, starting from R&D, doing stand count. And they're like, hey, can you help us get this to the masses? We've got a really valuable tool. You guys know all about software for drones. We know all about the, the algorithms to be able to count the crops and all the things that you need to handle in doing that. And so we kind of formed a partnership as a, they were a really big customer. 
and they basically want a little exchange of, of software where they give us the software for the, the actual AI, the tools that count the crops. They're responsible for that, but we're responsible for every other step of making the drone fly, collecting the photos, making sure those photos are crisp for the AI, then the AI processes that, and then we just give back a report so you can actually get your population count while you're in the field. And that's a really critical piece. Yep. Now, Ben, I know that early on you were part of helping to, I guess, maybe ground truth some of these protocols and some of those things on the early side of this tool before it ended up with the folks at Drone Deploy. What have you seen changed over the course of the lifetime of this particular software program? Yeah, it's interesting as I'm sitting here listening to Mike talk, the, some of the parallels on the timeline. So I first started messing, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, with the drones for Pioneer in 2014, um, actually in that winter between 2014 and 2015. And you guys nailed it. The first challenge was was getting it to fly where you wanted it to and, um, you know, stay in the air. Everything. So, so that, you know, that's, that's actually... It seems like a very simple thing, but that's when, you know, I take my little DJI drone out. I'm pretty confident that it's going to go exactly where the map sent it. And um, perhaps more importantly than when it's done, I'm going to be able to get it to come back to me. So that's, I mean, it, it's simple, but it is a huge development. Um, but the most important thing is you, is you can get those results so much more quickly. Now, it used to be a process of, you know, pulling SD cards and taking them back to the office. And um, I am I am not going to complain. Can, I'm not going to um, claim to be even remotely proficient with computers. And when they've got me that with the agronomy background trying to run the software to analyze this, despite how good the instructions may have been there, there are some headaches. So when people much smarter than me can figure all that out in the background and I have what I need right there in the field when I need it, um, that, that is an amazing transition from, from where, where I know we started with stand counts, you know, seven, six, seven years ago. Well, Brian, I can say, you know, just from my brief time as a product agronomist, I remember as we were kind of proving this concept out, uh, you know, just to Ben's point, you, you put the drone in the air and then we would take that sequence of pictures, you know, evaluating each of those plots, which 10 years ago, that would have been, you know, the impact team or the product agronomist scoring the plots and saying, do I have a sufficient standard? Do I not? Well, now um, where we are today, you, you've got that stand count that's generated, you know, it, as soon as the drone lands, whereas five years ago when we were going through that, it was just to Ben's point, you, you get that sequence of pictures, it's on the SD card, then Carl has to drive from Lafayette to the Champagne Research Station, then it takes them 72 hours to upload all of those photos for it to process, then to stitch it together, then to say, hey, the plot quality looks good or not. So just from the Pioneer and the Corteva standpoint, there's, there's, you know, leaps and bounds that have been made here in just the last five, 10 years within this space. And I think it's, it's proved out to help us be better at selecting hybrids and varieties when, when a farmer thinks of how uh, drones come into to their daily operations and, and how it benefits them. Mike, you know, for a for several years of this software's life, it was a Corteva specific product. We've certainly been able to get it to drone deploy to be able to deploy it, I guess, for lack of a better way uh, to say it. In terms of um, the acceptance of this from your non-Corteva users, has the feedback on this been positive over the last, I guess, two seasons now that it's been in place? Or do you feel good about what, what this does for drone deploy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
the I mean, you guys, I would love to hear more from, especially from you, Ben, about like what having sand counts on your phone has meant and to the, the, the agronomists around you. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really valuable tool. Now you can count your crops from the air without walking around with a tool. You can count, I think uh, you guys all know Eric. Eric says you can count now, I think three, three times more locations in a field using a drone than you would using going doing it manually. And you can do it at a hundred times more greater sample area. So you can just get much higher data quality. You can do it faster. You can do it without having to walk around and get the, the robot to do the work for you. And we've seen excitement yeah, from growers, from agronomists, from um, the other big seed companies deploying this technology and sharing Corteva branded reports to, uh, to their customers, even if they're not Corteva themselves. Well, I, I can say just from last year, you know, we had a, a little bit of replant, not like we've had in the, the two prior seasons in Northwest Indiana, but even for growers that got out there a little early as we were evaluating stands, just practically from a farmer standpoint, if I know that it's the Northeast corner of the back 40 that I'm going to, as opposed to driving the entire field in the tractor looking for spots. I mean, that's, that's a profound amount of efficiency that's gained. Um, and, you know, replant often comes at the back end of the, of the planting window. And so anything we can do to get that seed planted earlier is going to be, it's going to be a boon for farmers because that gives us more of the growing season to take advantage of. So um, just my experience using it within the replant standpoint, the last couple of years, it's, it's actually had some tangible benefits on farm um, as opposed to just having that, that nifty map that maybe Ben's Ben spoke to earlier. Well, and yeah, I think, to, go ahead, Ben. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say, Carl, where, where I see the most utility in it and yeah, replant decisions are difficult and they're, they can also be costly because the most, the most common answer when you don't have a firm idea of what's happening on a broad scale is, well, let's wait and see. And then you end up, you know, that, that replant gets pushed back a couple of days to a couple of weeks. And when you get that late in the year, every, every day costs bushels, right? Um, the, the other way, the other way that I use it quite frequently is just, just for grower, um, just for grower experience, frankly, is that it's an, it's an easy report for me to generate. It's something that I can send to them as a, as a real quick contact say, Hey, I checked, I checked, you know, 600 acres out for you today. Look at, look at me go. Right. And I can, I can send that right to their phone and it doesn't, it doesn't take a ton of time out of my day or their day for that matter. Um, as they're, as they're trying to run their own business, but there's good information in there and it's, it's, it's just a, a quality quality feedback and a, a good point of contact with with those growers. Well, and from this idea of the accuracy of drone deploy allows us to get a very good handle on how much of a particular field is affected and what those stands are. And given the current economic situation, there are some balancing acts that have to be had now. And if we know that, it, you know, of a 135 acre field, that 22 of those acres would need to be replanted, we can now start to do those calculations as to whether that makes sense or not. And so I don't, Mike, I guess from that standpoint, can you talk to us and our listeners a little bit about that accuracy that we get from drone deploy when we do fly those fields and do take those measurements a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I would say that the starting point, like you, be, you guys have been using this technology for a while within Corteva, um, it's really matured a lot. And so the, the AI itself is actually remarkably accurate. Um, and you can always go into every photo and you can see what it counted and what it didn't count and make sure it's, make sure it's right. Um, 
and now you just have so much more information than you would if you if you counted manually. And you're always welcome to go count it manually and do a ground truth. Um, and that ground truth thing has happened a ton with this product over the last couple of years. So the accuracy is really high. Um, and it's it's not going to be perfect like nothing is, but it's going to enable you to make some really good decisions. Um, I think one of the things Ben said was interesting. It's like a lot of the time, like people are like, hey, let, let's wait and see. Let's get a bit more data by watching the plants grow. But like not uh, saying let's wait and see is the same as saying let's not replant. And like the fast mm -hmm. and the key thing here is how do we get information to grow really quickly that's of high accuracy that they can ground truth themselves and help there if they're an advisor or if they're the grower help make a good decision quickly. And so they can go and uh, get a few more bushels in that year. So Mike, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the stand tool and then very much so in the same vein with the live map tool, uh, that, that benefit of having something to you in real time to help make decisions. I know five years ago uh, when I was out in Nebraska, it would be, you know, the airplane would pass over once a season um, you know, when the operator would go ahead and take a picture before he applied the fungicide and that would help a guide know if he had some clogged spray nozzles or something like that for his irrigator. So just how far we've come in, you know, the last five years, what's your vision for the next five years for what oh, wow. drones, um, you know, can do to impact farmers on a, on an annual basis? I mean, there's a lot to talk about, um, you can imagine drones themselves every year they're getting big they're getting better they can capture higher quality data um fly further um and we can do more processing at the edge so there's lots to talk about just in terms of increased productivity improved uh, tooling um in terms of going beyond stand counts and being able to get other other traits out um i think maybe there's two things to talk about that i think are like most interesting one is on the integration side um, integrating all the data together. It's always been a really big part of Drone Deploy. Drone Deploy is a really easy way for you to get information to start making decisions, but we know we're not the end product. We're not an agronomy suite. And one thing we're really excited about this year uh, in the value of the products is we actually heard from some customers thinking about using stand count for information to, uh, that they'll put into their uh, agronomy suites to understand how much nitrogen, where they should be putting the nitrogen down with price of fertilizer going up 3x. Sure. So now we're going to see a lot more people doing prescription application this year. And so um, in, the integra integrations are really important. We're going to see more and more of that, the data going flowing into all the right places and fitting in with uh, all the other types of data you have. I think that's one big thing that you're going to see a lot of. Uh, the other thing that we're very excited about is the autonomy. And um, you can imagine as a company where We've always, we're a drone company uh, that, that focuses on high scale on, uh, on uh, collecting lots of data. And the way that that's really going to happen is as we transition from having a person that's at the field collecting the data with a drone to a person that might be totally somewhere else flying beyond line of sight with a drone in a dock. And um, it's amazing. We're starting to see the first drone docks come out where the drones can fly about five miles from a central location. They could okay. be covering in the order of 50 square miles of ground from that location. So in this is not going to happen now in the next one or two years, but perhaps in five years, we might start to see drones uh, popping out around maybe, I don't know, the local um, <clears throat> John Deere dealer, each one of them having a drone and covering large areas of ground and just populating the data in the same way you might get data populated from a planet or from satellites, mm -hmm. you might get the same thing, but from a 400 feet 
or your stand count just done for you. Um, that might be more in the 10 year range, um, but uh, we're very excited about that future. But in the short term, it's gonna be drones doing more, flying more with better quality data going beyond stand counts to more traits and getting that data into the software that you're using to make your other agronomy decisions. Mike, where do you think ground-based robots? I know that on the construction side of drone deploy, you guys are actually have got that in the market already. Do you expect that to come fairly quickly uh, in ag as well in terms of the drone deploy platform? Um, I, you know, so yeah, so anyone that's familiar with drone deploy, you might know that we do more than agriculture. So you mentioned construction and energy. Uh, we're seeing a ton of ground-based robot, robot adoption in Protecting energy right now, just because you can imagine the safety case is so is so valuable for them. Um, while we'll see, this will be my bet. Uh, okay, who knows what's going to happen in the future? But you can imagine lots of ground-based robots being used for data acquisition in energy markets. In ag, actually using a ground-based rover, at least a small one, can be challenging given uh, given what the what the what a field looks like there's just obstacles everywhere like i mean you've right. got a cornfield behind you there brian yeah. um the soil can be lumpy and hard to get over uh but obviously you're going to have ro robotic tractors and we firm believers that hey the, the robotic form factors of the future are, aren't just going to be tractors with people removed we're going to see smarter smaller tractors applicators that aren't going to have 120 foot booms because that might not be important anymore when you can have a tractor running 24 7. Um, but that, that big opportunity there is right now you're thinking about drones and drone deploy all about collecting data. The next step is the analysis and doing the stand counts and getting that data into your agronomy packages. After that, you're going to say, hey, look, I want to, I've got a problem, some variability somewhere, maybe it's a pest or um, a no fungus or something. You need to do an app, a chemical application. How do we get that data from the agronomy uh, software back into drone deploy and uh, orchestrating an action being taken by a robot. So it's gonna be sometimes a drone that's gonna fly and, and apply. Sometimes it's gonna be a ground vehicle, um, but that's kind of the closed loop that we're gonna to get to in the next five or 10 years, which is you're gonna fly, capture data, you're gonna analyze it, you're gonna act on it. And the next day you're gonna fly again to see have you, have you solved the problem. Well, and that's something that we've just begun to experience here locally over the last year or two with folks, um, you know, with those larger booms on a larger drone that someone can actually make some of those chemical applications like a, like a fungicide. Um, you know, you can maybe be more precise with your timing, but back to your point, Mike, it's all about scalability. Um, you know, if you only have one single drone that only can spray a few gallons at a time, you know, it's going to be cumbersome to cover the same acres that a larger, um, you know, piece of equipment can. But is there an opportunity, you think, in the coming years where we would have a, a network of drones, a fleet of drones that could cover a field as opposed to just that, that single drone? I know you, you spoke to yeah. that just a little bit previously. Um, I mean, absolutely. Um, like we've all watched uh, <laughs> watched the sci-fi of the future, um, and you can imagine that. Yeah, it, it, all industries, robots are going to become more prevalent. In fact, the drone deploy, I'll bet, would be there's going to be more robots than people on most job sites, and that would include on farms. And it's not about the robots replacing people; it's about robots giving people superpowers. And the, the, my favorite analogy I heard from someone is like, hey, robots aren't about being Terminator, they're about being Iron, Iron Man suits. How do we actually give that grower the capability of, um, uh, I don't know, um, 
doing all the work that he's doing, but with in only a quarter of the time and being able to do it more precisely with just the right amount of uh, being able to, I forget what the right word is, um, being able to apply the nutrients at a kind of a, at a plant level. And right now we're doing at 120 foot resolution. How do we get down to a plant resolution? Um, so that's absolutely coming. It's gonna take time though. Um, and what's interesting is how do the economics of agriculture and all the industries change when, uh, when, when we have robots that are able to do all these jobs at, in the long run, extremely, in an extremely efficient ways. And so it's very exciting, but it, I think the, the reality is that that is a couple of years out. We can imagine that world. There's all sorts of technology and regulatory hurdles to get through. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, what you're going to see is every year, you're going to see more drones uh, flying over the fields, collecting data. Right now, our, we're just doing the math. We see around one drone for every 30 uh, ag workers out there, which is actually quite high relative to um, other industries. And we're going to see them collecting data, being out there more often. We're going to see every acre of corn and soybeans touched. We're going to see drones flying much closer so they can go beyond just showing you a map, but being able mm -hmm. to identify a fungus or a weed. Um, and that's all coming in every, just every year, expect to see more drones. And then, yeah, in, in 10 years, you'll have a lot of farmers being like, hey, where do all these drones come from? And it's all the, the industry innovators and pioneers that were doing it 10 years earlier, that every year they established more value. Mike, I know one of the key things that you do in some other industries, you've spent a lot of time and energy at Drone Deploy, being able to develop these 3D uh, models, if you will, of, you know, buildings and job sites. Mm -hmm. And I know that on the website you reference uh, being able to do that with uh, like oil derricks and things like that, oil rigs. I'm curious, you know, there's a movement of simulation and AI and all these things and this idea of uh, digital twinning. Do you expect to see something similar to that in agriculture where you guys essentially develop a 3D model of our field and then we're able to run AI and simulation? And is that still where drone deploy would fit in? Or is that where you move it from drone deploy to a different suite and then back in when it's time for application? I mean, you got maybe just a little bit of your thoughts on what the yeah. future of simulated agriculture looks like. <laughs> Um, it's funny, we, we, we talk about that kind of environment a lot. So you can imagine kind of what Drone Deploy does is we, we are reality capture. We capture the physical world and we transform it into digital assets, digital twins. And they talk a lot about that energy, digital twin. Um, and um, we're seeing that happen in every industry. And actually what's interesting is that drones are really good at digitizing the physical world. And that has historically been the hardest space to digitize. If you think about where you use software and you do it for accounting and data storage and things like that and the management of actions, but you actually know what the hell has happened. It's been quite hard to digitize that. Now we have that capability. Um, and literally we're gonna see uh, everything, every business digitizing their spaces into three dimensions. And, and interestingly, every time you make a map and drone deploy, we're actually doing it in 3D, but we're compressing it down to 2D because it's it's easy for people to consume. Um, the question is like, hey, are we gonna be a company doing all the simulations and all that? I think the answer to that is, look, we can't be the, the best company at everything. And just in the same way we partnered with Corteva to do the AI, we're gonna say, hey, look, drone deploy is gonna be trying to be the best piece of software to capture reality and provide you really awesome tools to be able to quickly understand that and make decisions. 
but there is an endpoint. We can't be the experts in you know, every part of the growing cycle and things like that. And so we've got to work with companies like Corteva and others say, hey, look, we're going to be awesome at this part of this um, kind of um, value cycle, this stage. Let's work together and create as much value as we can as experts in each of the independent areas that we are experts in. And it's been fantastic to work with Corteva and being able to see that they're definitely, they've got a huge team. They're definitely able to build their own products and things like that, but they're able to identify, look, our most, the place we can add the most value is on things like the, the stand count tool, the AI, the algorithms. And for the other parts, like, hey, we should just partner with the, the leaders out there. And Droneploy happens to be the biggest company in the world when it comes to drone software for commercial use. Well, Mike, there's one last thing, I think maybe before we conclude that I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to talk about. I am incredibly impressed with uh, dronedeploy.org and the, fo the folks that you guys are working with, essentially from a nonprofit standpoint, that you realize that your program's bigger than just these commercial aspects. And would you mind talking us through that a little bit, the reasoning for that, and some of the things that you guys are doing on the dronedeploy.org side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like one little fun fact that I mentioned, I was South African. The three founders of the company happen to be South African. We went to college together. Actually, the idea from Drone Deploy came out from trying to solve problems with the rhino poaching in South Africa. And uh, at the time, it was 2010, Ben was talking about the early days of drones. Like we could see it was, it was actually really hard to get drones to fly back then. But what was interesting, there were lots of people building hardware to make making the hardware better, but very few, no one was working to make drones simple to use for uh, a normal person. It's like they're building hardware to make it easier for drone pilots, as opposed to a simple product where you could press a button on your mobile phone and get the data where you need to be and share it. And that, that is what drone deploy is today. And we extend to ground data too. Um, and we've seen that there's value everywhere. And it's obviously very important for us to have all the commercial use cases to pay for the business. But we really love the fact that our product can be used in so many different ways and so many, in so many ways we would never have thought about. I'm just looking at our website. We have Disaster Relief Australia. There are people using the product to after disasters, after the wildfires, after earthquakes in Indonesia. We've got Syndac, who are um, uh, environmental monitoring of um, some awesome work they're doing with cenotes in uh, in Mexico, our caves in Mexico, and they're under, underground using our, our indoor products, uh, the Nature Conservancy, uh, the Land Trust. We've got all sorts of amazing companies using drones for good. And um, right, like it's and you can imagine as a company, you're always looking for those stories and those use cases where you can go beyond just, hey, like, how do we help a consumer, a commercial user to actually, how do we just make help make the world better? And the good news is that, hey, you, in everything we feel like we do in the commercial world, we're helping also enable, enable the people of the world, whether it's agronomists or whether it is surveyors having to climb on roofs. But we also have really amazing stories now from amazing innovators at I don't know, the UN at uh, the Nature Conservancy using drones to um, improve people's lives, improve the environment. Um, and I would encourage anyone to go to dronedeploy.org to check out the stories. You've got lots of really cool stories and there are lots of really amazing uh, groups that I'm sure if your contribution would matter to them. So go check out the website and uh, follow their stories. All right, Carl, Ben, anything that we haven't covered uh, with Mike before we let him go for today. 
Well, I, I just say it's been a treat. Obviously, we could talk, you know, Mike's ear off here for another hour or two about the potential use of um, autonomous vehicles. But this is this has been a lot of fun. And, and Mike, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. If uh, there was an Indiana farmer that that found, um, you know, what you had to share uh, of note, is there a place that they should go to to learn more about the services that Drone Deploy has to offer for folks in agriculture? Absolutely. So. Uh, go to dronedeploy.com and click on the agriculture uh, solution and you can read all about it. Make sure you read about stand count. That's going to be hugely in use over the next couple of weeks. It's actually very exciting for us at Drone Deploy because we see all the, the growers and agronomists go out and uh, use the product and it creates a massive spike from the ag community. Um, it's really easy to get started, uh, but have a chat to our team. They can help you out, identify the best drone that you should use with our product. Um, and um, yeah, and to help you set your expectations on what kind of problems you can solve. Thank you very much, Mike. Ben, if somebody heard something you said today that maybe sparked their interest, what, how could they get a hold of you? Yeah, if folks want to follow along with what's happening in Southern Indiana, they can do so on Twitter at the Ben Jacob or Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy. And Carl, how about for you? Yep. Folks want to know what's taking place in Northwest Indiana. They can follow along on Twitter at CJORN, C-J-O-E-R-N. Mr. Schrader, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me at uh, BK Schrader on Twitter or B underscore K underscore Schrader at uh, Instagram. So with that, Mike, thank you very much again for joining us today. It's been an excellent uh, discussion with you and we appreciate your time. For the uh, Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast, thanks for listening. Be safe out there, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.